and welcome to Vista Talks, interesting discussions with interesting people from all around the world. I'm your host for today, Priscilla Charles, and today I'm delighted to be joined in Studio 2 by Andreas Palm, who is a digital platform and content professional. You're very welcome, Andreas. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, Andreas, first, let's take a trip down memory lane, because you studied international politics, law, economics, business in Australia and Sweden, but then you started your career as a content specialist in various global organizations, uh, including Ladbrokes eGaming, and most recently, Sony Mobile Communications, where you led the digital platforms teams. So first, I'd like to ask you, what drove you to do um, to specialize in this field of content creation and digital channels rather than your field of study? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a strange one, maybe. Uh, I think it's really through a whole series of fortunate accidents and, and opportunities along the way that I, that I ended up here, uh, I would say. Uh, so as you mentioned, I did, I did study international politics and a bit of law and, and everything else. Uh, but really, that was mostly because I, I didn't actually know what I wanted to do at the time with my life and <laughs> was, was trying to sort of keep my options open, buying some time. Uh, I, I, well, luckily for everyone, and especially myself, maybe I knew I was never going to become a politician or anything by <laughs> studying politics. But, uh, uh, but it was it was one of those where I just didn't know what to what to do, and I thought I need some sort of education. Um, but, but at least the the good thing about about my study, I think, is that you know when I was done, I. I uh, I came out still not really sure of, of mm -hmm. what it is that I wanted to do, but at least I had some useful skills uh, that I've acquired, you know, uh, analytical thinking, problem solving and things like that, which, which okay. I knew would be useful. Um, and, you know, I don't want to bore everyone going through all the, the 20 years or so with my life, but, but uh, to cut a, a very long story short, I, I, uh, uh, I started in Sweden and then I, I moved on and, and did one term in Australia. Mm -hmm. uh, and then eventually I ended up in London um, when I'd finished my uni studies. Uh, again, sort of just to, to, to try and figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, and I applied for this job at, uh, at Ladbrokes eventually. Uh, the main reason for, for applying there in the first place was because I like sports. Okay. Um, so I didn't really didn't really know too much about the company or anything but I knew they they were about sports and I liked that mm -hmm. um, but what happened then was that I, I started to look after the the Nordic content team was my first role uh, mm -hmm. and quite quickly after that I became manager for the international team of content editors uh, at Ladbrokes um, so the guys that were you know writing content for the websites mm -hmm. and emails and social channels and so on for for all their their countries um and we covered everything from i had teams you know from china and thailand in the east to european countries and canada in the west um uh, and that was quite it became almost like my first sort of i don't know penny drop moment for me when i realized that you know everything is not a one size fits all uh when it comes to content and i started to see the importance of of uh, you know, understanding the mm -hmm. cultural and linguistic differences when, when working with international marketing. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and then I found myself quite sort of enjoying uh, learning more about it. You know, what can and can't you say in China and yeah. what are the differences between formal and informal languages in German and, and, and all those things. And, and, you know, learning about it and then seeing the impact of how, how truly localized content uh, would have on the results of our marketing there Absolutely. Uh, was, it was quite interesting. And, and, and you know adding that local flavor um so it's a long story but that's kind of i think where where my i don't know passion started when it came to the content creating and working in, in content in general and and digital um and and uh, seeing the the power of that it could have um and the results uh and the complexity of it all um and and it's, it's basically since then that i've been been sort of voluntarily stuck in this field i think yeah <laughs> well, naturally kind of but I, but gave you a fantastic understanding and and experience um to prepare yourself to move into a more like if i say full-time localization type of you know role which you had really by default um uh but um such a good such a good experience indeed so now let's move on to a very specific and interesting topic that is uh, multi-channel and digital channels which you led at sony mobile communications can you tell us a little bit about your past experience there i mean when it comes to ensuring that digital platforms provide a good customer experience which is you know so essential these days yeah um so, so as i mentioned i think very briefly content marketing is is quite complex uh, mm. and when you start to add multiple channels and multiple markets and, and languages into that mix that that becomes or could become almost sort of infinitely tricky to to manage and and, and get a grip over uh, and as you mentioned then so I, at sony when i was there i, I was looking after all these customer facing channels, uh, everything from website to social media, emails and our own app and so on. Um, and, and what we did there, I guess, was look at, you know, the first thing to bear in mind is that not all the users go on all the channels. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, whilst it's important to be consistent in the messaging and, and not always uh, it's not always necessary, I think, to, to have the exact same tone, tone of voice across all, across the board. You know, people use certain channels or certain platforms for a reason. Uh, uh, and customers and users, you know, they, they may have certain expectations of the type of, of communication or comms that they expect, depending on what channels it is that they, they choose to interact on. Uh, so, I don't know, a very simplified way of of explaining it could be maybe that's you know for example uh, you have a user interacting with a brand on on a social channel instagram or twitter or whatever it may be uh they would probably expect a slightly different tone of voice than, than those going straight on a corporate website for example yeah. uh so so we kind of applied that logic uh when i was at sony um and and tried to first establish a, quite a high level what it was that we wanted to get out of the user journeys as a whole and, and the customer experience as a whole. Uh, I mean, to put it simply, in our case, for us, the ultimate goal was, was to push as many people uh, further down the, the online purchase funnel and basically just sell more products. Uh, and, and then we had to obviously look at the, the mix of channels that we had at our disposal, what else is out there. 
uh, see what the current user journeys look like and the current uh, customer experience and, and how well they work uh, when it comes to supporting that goal. Um, and, and what I think or, or have found uh, is that the best place to start when it comes to sort of looking at the overall customer experience is to try and alleviate any known pain points that, that, that you have in the user journey and, and continuously optimize that way. Uh, so I, I try to instill this mantra that, you know, it's, it's very hard to improve something by 100%, but it's quite easy to improve 100 things by 1%. Yeah. Uh, so it was sort of with that mindset that we set out to, to look at the user experience across all the platforms uh, and again, you know, each channel plays its own part. Uh, so if you start looking at the user journey and the user experience mm -hmm. from a more holistic point of view uh, and start by looking at the end goal, uh, you know, in our case, uh, selling stuff on our e-store, as I mentioned, and then almost start to untangle it backwards to identify what, what role that each, each channel plays in that yes. journey and that experience. Uh, so that's not, that's kind of the approach that we took. You know, we we identified a sort of content framework by channel mm -hmm. with some yeah. simple do's and don'ts, some simple guidelines um, uh, by channel, uh, and based on that role, that's that the, the platform would typically play in the user journey. And then from there, you then set out some frameworks on you know how do we best tailor the content still making sure that the messaging is consistent across mm -hmm. all the touch points, but, but uh, that it supports the overall goal and that it's, it's relevant depending on where the user is, uh, you know, with something like, I don't know, 20% variation in tone of voice and, and wording based on the channel. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was kind of, that's, that's the, the sort of general approach that, that, that I'm, I'm used to and that, 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 that works quite well. I'm trying to think of a good example to try and sort of paint this picture of, of working backwards a bit better. Um, maybe one quick one could be, uh, so again, from, from my Sony days, um, when, we, when we, uh, we had a product launch uh, and, and decided to have a campaign around it um, mm -hmm. a couple of years back. And, and typically, you know, you would start to agree on things like, the, the core assets, the taglines, and and the 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 imagery and and videos you would have it have there for the campaign as a whole on a high level, and then start to tailor it by channels. Uh, we of course did all of that too, but but sort of the first step that we did was to map out and try and anticipate the full user journey, uh, and and kind of just make sure that all our ducks were in a row first. Uh, and when that was then, you know, done and we were happy that, you know, however uh, and from wherever any users would eventually interact or, or enter our digital channels, mm -hmm. we, we, we then, then created this solid bank of, of assets and, and taglines and everything, you know, lined it up from paid media through to websites and social media and emails or whatever it may be. Uh, and obviously the idea behind that approach was to ensure that, you know, the full user journey and the full user experience uh, is not missed off. Uh, you know, it's a bit like if you're a normal shop on the high street, if you yeah. spend all your time, money and effort on dressing up your shop window to get people through the door and then 
then just leave all the products in a pile inside the shop yeah. and, hope, and hope that they go through them and find the stuff rather than sort of fix the shop first and then then dress that window to get people through the door makes sense for sure yeah. and and so you're talking about multiple platforms but building this customer engagement and loyalty requires a multi-channel as you mentioned but also a multilingual approach if you're to succeed globally so reviewing and reframing the relevant content to ensure it's multilingual and published through multiple channel is vital, uh, as we meant, as we, we mentioned. So, how important has this been? Has been has this been in your role, if I may say, um, considering your background and the importance of reaching a global audience for a brand such such as Sony Mobile, for instance. I mean, it's it's been definitely important. We we were global. As I don't know if I mentioned, but I I I was working in the global team but obviously mm -hmm. my role was ultimately to support all the local teams so the planning mm -hmm. happens globally but but the implementation had to be done sort of locally and, and in the relevant yeah. languages and so on and so forth so it's super important um and you mentioned loyalty and and you know the same rules apply there i think to to what we just talked about in a way you know that everyone having their own third way of, of wanting to interact with a brand. Um, you know, at Sony, for example, we did a quite an in-depth study to try and, and sort of establish how and where our existing users preferred to be communicated to mm -hmm. by us. Uh, and it was, I mean, it's not a super surprise probably, but most of them said email is quite a passive one and you can choose when, yeah. when you want to read it yourself. Uh, but then that was followed by social media and then push notifications. Uh, and of course, you know, they all wanted it in their own language. Um, mm -hmm. So in terms of squeezing out as much as possible when it comes to engagement uh, and loyalty, you know, being able to communicate where these users want to be communicated to and in their preferred language is, is key if you want to if you want to have that edge, uh, I think. Uh, okay. You know, it's a fine balance uh, to strike when it comes to engagement and, and loyalty building. Um, mm -hmm. You don't want to spam customers. You don't want to have to spam them with the same message everywhere. Uh, uh, so it's what we did, again, uh, short, I don't know if it's a good example, but it's, it's one example. Um, we would actively work with our user segments and, you know, try and slice and dice them based on a bunch of criteria. Uh, you know which 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 channel do you do you prefer which do you focus on when it comes to communication uh but obviously language and and, and uh, location was key key criteria to look at so important. Uh, yeah no exactly and it's 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 understanding what they where they come from uh, and 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 where they where they are in the world yeah and how they how they prefer things to be to be sort of communicated to them based on all these you know local factors um you know refactoring content based on that and and, and segmenting them and, and and you know localizing yeah versions of websites or emails or whatever it may be just to sort of build that loyalty and build that engagement and 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 local promotions or whatever it may be just local tips and tricks uh, yeah. that that's relevant for that that country or that audience um, so it's 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 uh it's been key for me in in terms of you know working on a global uh 
uh, and planning things on a global scale, but but tailoring it to make it as locally relevant as possible, just mm -hmm. to sort of use the full power of, of yeah. those digital channels and, and, and multilingual uh, insights that you have to achieve it. Um, so it's and that's that's again what what drives results if you can if you can get it right and, and yeah. truly start to localize and and, uh, and understand your customers on a local level. Yeah, and and speaking of customers, um, folk, like now I'd like to talk about customer experience. Obviously, it is uh, one of the cornerstones of many digital transformation strategies, and we've been talking about it now. This means de developing business processes that you mentioned and and backing up, you know, these being backed up, sorry, by technology to capture data and every step of the customer journey, so that you can build customer engagement and loyalty on a worldwide scale. What I'm interested in is knowing, so you've been talking about the processes before, how did this work pre-pandemic in your most recent experience and maybe closer to when the pandemic unfortunately hit us and how have you been seeing this change so far? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Because um, obviously this horrible, pandemic which yeah. has been not good for most of us um uh, has had a very interesting impact to be fair on the world of digital yeah uh, and i think you know when we talk about um digital transformation strategies and, and processes and, and technology before and this is sort of my my view but before there were many before the, the pandemic, there were many organizations that talked about digital transformation, uh, talked about using data to drive decision-making and, and they became sort of buzzwords in their own right. Uh, my view though, was that I think digital transformation uh, and, and, and sort of working with, with, with the data for many companies before the pandemic consisted of you know, could be replace some old legacy systems with maybe some new enterprise solution that, mm -hmm. that could do a bit of everything. And then that transformation was done or there was a lot of planning and talk about transformations, but not too much action, I think. So what the pandemic has brought, uh, I think, is a sense of urgency. Uh, and in many cases, almost, you know, overnight forcing many companies to just embrace digital changes and, and make the leap. Uh, yeah. There was no no other way to do it, uh, and that you know has helped with bringing more confidence just to go for it and and make changes rather than spend too much time planning. And uh, that's my general feeling, anyway. So I think you're right in terms of you know talk about building customer engagement and loyalty on a worldwide scale and 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 things like that. Uh, you know, having the right technology and data is key. But only if you have the right people and the and the time to fully utilize this data, uh, and if you if you can understand it. So you know nowadays you can go super granular with your data. You can create really targeted segments. You can uh, you can do all sorts. But if you're not you know continuously revisiting these and and their behaviors, or if you don't have the bandwidth within your organization to create all the targeted content that you could have. It doesn't really make that much difference. So I think data is super important, but but having all the tools and tech doesn't really matter unless you you sort of know how to actively work with it and and 
have the clear goals and what you're actually trying to achieve. Um, and you, I mean, you, you talked about how do I see this changing now? Yeah. And, and it's already happening. Uh, and I do think that this sort of general willingness to just go for it that I mentioned and, and be more digital uh, will, will lead to more companies you know, seeing the value of data Sure. Um, and and the proof is in the pudding. I think you know. It, I do believe that uh, more of them are seeing the value. The results tend to come back. And and in the world of digital, the results are often more black and white than than uh, than grey, which you can see in other areas. Uh, and and you know that will hopefully just feed more of these activities where more granular work around customer experience, uh, both when it comes to, you know, your more traditional segments and localizations and so on. But uh, well, as the return on investment, uh, more often than not is there, um, if you just do it reasonably well, I think, I think the, the pandemic as horrible as it is and has been, it's, it's, it has had a, a, uh, an impact on, what will happen uh, in the world of digital uh, going forward, and it's 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 helped with sure. the, you know creating this little leap into companies trying to just go for it a bit more and and maybe not plan for as much as they used to. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, do you think, in a way, um, with the shift digital first for a lot of organizations um, who are either you know technology agnostic, uh, agnostic or not more or less you know depending on uh, which company it is do you think that companies understand their customers better in, in a way did it help um, you know this transition uh, yes i think so uh, I, generally speaking i think uh, they are everyone is getting a little bit more used to use the data uh, mm -hmm. and and how to how to use the data yeah. And also the customers themselves are becoming more used to, you know, working on mm -hmm. uh, or, or interacting with, yeah. with digital platforms and so on and so forth. I think it's, it, it's, it helps. And do you have an example of mine of maybe what has worked well and, and yourself, uh, what type of challenges you would have encountered um, example-wise? So worked and so what has worked and what hasn't worked or challenges? <laughs> yeah, that's a tricky one. Um, I think generally speaking, in terms of what's worked well, I think as, as I kind of mentioned, the with the pandemic, it's it's forced companies to embrace digital in a much yeah. bigger way. Uh, and and again, as I just said, it is also kind of forced customers or potential customers or general users to, to become uh, even more digitally savvy. Uh, and, and it's become more of a normalized way for how we look, uh, you know, look to find products or services or companies or engage with brands in general. So in that respect, I think, you know, trying all these new things out uh, has worked quite well as a whole, simply because more and more people uh, across more and more wider ages are, are much more used to interacting with brands and, and multiple platforms and 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 it's not a it's not a such a scary thing anymore to you know speak to an AI bot or whatever it may be uh, for for more and more people. 
So, so I think generally speaking, it's worked quite well. In terms of uh, challenges, there are plenty of, of challenges uh, around customer experience and, and how to do it well. Um, you know, obvious ones such as keeping an eye on, on competition and, and uh, utilizing the data and the insights that's available. Um, I think the internal mindset within organizations can be a big challenge to overcome um, yeah. in terms of getting things right. Uh, I keep coming back to this word holistic, but for me, it's quite important uh, you know, to look at the user journey and user experience as a whole and, and sort of truly talk in terms of, of customer touch points, maybe rather than channels. Uh, and I'm trying to think of, again, uh, uh, an example that might be relevant here. Um, from from a, a recent digital transformation that I've worked on um, for a client uh, in the last year. Um, like everyone else, they identified that they were not sort of fully utilizing the data and their customers' user journeys were suboptimal. Uh, and the first step that they did in their, in their transformation plan was to sort out the data uh, get a proper data warehouse and data lake and, and to start to understand what's going on uh, and then to use that to start optimizing each channel. Now, the problem with that, in my view, was that you know, the organizational focus and the ways of working kind of needs to follow the same pattern as, as the data. Uh, and by that, I mean that if you, if, you, if you collate all the data in order to be able to slice and dice it and, and be more uh, efficient with how you use it, uh, you're, you're not optimizing the output if you don't also you know, smash together your, your channels and look at them as part of the, 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 the full journey too with touch points and rather than maybe individual channel, channels, you know, breaking these silos as everyone's talking about. Uh, you can almost be, you know, there is a challenge there that you can almost be blinded by all the data that you have and yeah. the data you can track. And, and, you know, in this example, my, this client that I was working for to try and, and help out, um, you know, they had their first campaign uh, after they, they started, uh, I started working with them and they set up these KPIs for things like click-through rates on paid media and mm -hmm. conversion rates on their e-store. And, and, and obviously they were chasing the biggest numbers they could get yeah. for, for everything uh, because they could track it now and they had all the data, they could get hold of it. Uh, but of course, all of these things are, are kind of interlinked. And often if you, uh, if you get a really high you know, click-through rate, for example, the mm -hmm. conversion rate will be so smaller. It will suffer uh, because you're just filling your funnel with as many customers you can, regardless if they're yeah. high intent ones or not. So it's, again, sort of looking at it holistically, deciding on the most important goal uh, is key, and then, then optimize your experience based on that goal, rather than just chasing the biggest numbers you can find across the board kind of thing. Uh, I mean, you should still track everything and, and measure and, and understand, uh, but each step uh, can't really be a goal in itself because it's sort of counter uh, counterintuitive. Um, so it's about, I think, the challenge then is to, you know, understand that picking your battles and, and 
find the ones that that best fits your company or your organization for whatever this particular campaign is yeah. um, so i think that's a concrete sort of challenge that i've i've faced and can think of off the top of my head that's you know important that organizationally everyone's on the same page and have this similar understanding of how to best approach this whole concept of customer experience and the use of data and the view of, of channels as, as part of that. Yeah, of course, yeah. And all of that, of course, is built on customer first approach. So how much would you say is the, the how would you say, how much is built on customer first approach? Mm, well, I think the, in my mind, again, I'm, I'm speaking for myself, but I think the ambition often uh, is to to be customer first and, and customer centric and yeah uh, and and i think that's that's what everyone wants to do and and aims to do but it's not always it's not always that easy to actually do it um uh, you know as i think i mentioned earlier with, with with a focus on communicating to customers or users on the platform uh, that they prefer uh and in the tone of voice that suits that channel and so on and so forth uh it's that's a start towards putting the the customers at the center and and having some sort of customer first approach uh again i keep coming back to sony because i was there for so many years and uh, so that's where i've got my uh, most of my examples from but when i was there we what we tried to do um we tried to, various tricks to try and be a bit more sort of customer first uh you know we did data mining of of customer service forums or social media posts or amazon reviews and so on just to sort of try and work out what our customers our customers actually talking about what's important to them mm -hmm. uh, and quite often that that actually differs from one country to another as well yeah uh, and then you use that information to to so hopefully, you know, that makes it much easier to, to tailor the communication around what we then know uh, that the customers actually are interested in, uh, uh, which immediately, you know, made the plans more customer centric in that respect. But, but as I mentioned earlier, it's not easy. And, and quite often, you know, for a company, it might, it's a, it's a specific new product that you need to sell or a new service. Uh, and the comfort zone tends to be that you know it's 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 much easier to slip into this to more of a product first approach rather than a customer first one i think which is understandable uh, if you have a new product out and you want to you want to shout shout yeah. about it yeah you want to shout about the latest features and the, the greatest new innovations that that you may have for that product or service so it's it's it takes quite a lot i think to to dare to fully adapt to a, a true customer first approach uh, and then and then dare to stick to it all the way i think so it's uh, it's getting there there's there's certain elements for sure uh, and and some companies are doing it a lot more well better than others but it's it's uh, understandably we're not 100% there yet when it comes to uh, customer first i would say <laughs> and and so you say that we're not there yet do you have you received any feedback or, or you, you you talked about the one you've observed you know what the approach of some companies but looking into the market perspective what, what type of feedback have you received and what channels what languages have stood out for you 
Um, well, it's a bit of a tricky one. I think um, not really as such. I mean, I've been, I've been, as I mentioned before, I am a big believer of, of localizing content to, to get the best outcome and, and to really squeeze the most out of it as you possibly can on a, on a local market level uh, and, and, and down to there and, and having that cultural awareness and, you know, having a local finger on the pulse, if you like. Um, so I think uh, in that example, you know, as, as I mentioned, we, I worked, Atonia was in the global team, planning everything globally and then deploying it locally. Um, and I did the same at Ladbrokes actually. Uh, and it's, you know, it's quite easy to, to miss some of that local flair then. Um, but I feel, you know, now with, with this technology, we talked about the general awareness uh, and, and those examples I just mentioned um, from Sony about really understanding scraping forums and mining data on what local people actually care about um uh, and and you know you don't have to rely just on what users in english-speaking countries think nowadays uh once that started to happen and and we started to put that into practice a bit more and 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 drive the local communication around what we actually knew about the local markets you know the the feedback from from our local markets and 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 the marketplace in general was was uh, you know really positive um you know it's it's probably a, a bad example here but i i come up with anything myself uh, any any better one off the, off the top of my head but you know for for Mobile phones, for example, which is where yeah. I worked on in at Sony, you know, based on previous user data, we would have, you know, for example, we would know that uh, having a good battery is really important uh, yeah. for customers, and it was this important thing to push and communicate around. Uh, once we started to to sort of do this more granular mm -hmm. mining of of local data, we, that's first when we started to realize that actually, you know, in for example, Russia customers valued performance equally high as battery, and in Taiwan, yeah. I think it was you know camera performance was really high on people's wish list. Yeah. And you know, having these real life local feedback, and then using that to to start to tailor the the communications uh, for these markets really had a good impact. And and you know, in terms of of yeah feedback and and how how it was received and observed uh, locally and in the markets it was that was a really a really positive jump i think um uh so, no, so say, yeah yeah no definitely and um now i i want to ask you about tips having so, so much expertise um i mean all global organizations these days are blazing the digital first trail obviously we talked about this so do you have any tips on how to stay ahead of uh, your competition for any organizations looking to stand out of the, the world stage oh uh, yeah it is a stiff competition for sure as you mentioned um i think you can do this in so many different ways but I th well, the simple answer, I, th I think, to, to beat your, your competition uh, in a world stage is, uh, you know, to do everything just that little bit better, a little bit faster, uh, a little bit more calculated than your, mm -hmm. your competitors. And, and obviously, 
data is is a bit of a keyword at the moment and it keeps coming up but it is really important you know to fully utilize any and all available data um, yeah. that, that you see that works you know how customer engage with it and and uh, what's needed to create you know that sticky content that makes people coming back and engaging with you as a brand uh, and as i said it's about it's about being granular it's about localizing keeping your finger on the pulse uh, on what customers or potential customers want uh, and, and how things evolve uh, i mean it doesn't talking about digital first and, and things like that i think for me it doesn't necessarily mean you know every company having to change tools and softwares and 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 become super digital it, it just means means using using those tools you have uh, to to be smarter and to be faster at what you do um and and to keep adding these buzzwords that that uh, everyone loves you know another one is agile uh, yeah uh, and you know that's also important i think to, to to stay ahead of the game uh and to have a well thought through plan or a roadmap uh but not to be afraid to to adapt to the you know based on the world around you and how things evolve you know in my mind gone are these days where you could set up a three-year plan or even a 12-month plan and, and you know for your content creation for example and then just stick to it uh, you can still do it but to stay ahead of the curve i think you 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 need that process to allow for quick changes and and you know quickly reprioritize that plan on an ongoing basis uh, and that's not easy uh, you know there's no Sadly not, there's no magic wand to, to, to make this happen. Uh, I think it's, it comes down to being smart, smart planning, smart use of data, and, and, and having this willingness throughout the organizations to you know, roll your sleeves up and, and continuously challenge that status quo, I think. Yeah, um, innovating and yeah, to the client, yeah, the customers. Okay, thanks. That's very, very insightful. Uh, so um, I want to ask your opinion. Um, what do you think of new platforms such as Clubhouse? Do you think like, you know, there's other platforms um, such as Facebook or, you know, Twitter that are likely to disappear? Um, you know, we're talking about, you know, being innovative and different platforms. So what, what do you think? Yeah, it's, it's always interesting to see see what happens with with the uh, social media and new platforms and and things that sometimes come up and stick and, and come up and then disappear equally quickly uh clubhouse is an interesting one i think uh, you know again it's a new it's a new channel for brands to explore uh, and it does require a different approach compared to your more traditional social media platforms i'd say uh, the more straightforward ways of of plugging your campaign or whatever it may be doesn't really work uh, uh, on on Clubhouse as an example, uh, where people you know listen in to learn about topics or or to get other people's view and so on. I think so. You know, it all comes back to content is key as always, uh, and if you, if you don't have with, with Clubhouse as an example, if you don't have anything meaningful to say, I think 
you'll get caught out quite quickly and, and you know you will lose your audience and they'll never come back so it's about doing it right and and making sure it's useful uh, and it should be useful for organizations when it comes to you know maybe more subtle brand awareness building or things like that uh, so i think clubhouse and, and new channels in general could be good for brands to try out uh, as an alternative um, uh, to get your messaging out or some of the messaging out uh, but it does require some planning and it does you know uh, you need to bear in mind that you know you need to add value to that community otherwise you will be very short-lived and it can backfire rather than than help you uh, I mean it's it's a bit similar to podcasts like this one I guess where you know, it, it, it could work very well for some companies if you do it right and, and if you do it in a meaningful and engaging way and, and, and you know, customer first uh, is, is key in this, in this regard for these types of, of uh, platforms, I think. Um, and, and you mentioned the old, more traditional ones uh, yeah. like Facebook and stuff. Uh, I think when it comes to these I don't know, more established channels, maybe we can call them, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and so on. I think there's still a place for them uh, for, for quite a while still. Um, there's still a lot of people engaging there. And, and uh, you know, for, for companies, there's, there's still a, a return of investment and it still stacks up. Um, but it depends on on the organization, the company, the products or the services, obviously, and 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 the target audience. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. yeah Facebook is not as as young and hip and happening as it used to be, and <laughs> so so. Uh, it's so more of a millennial type of tool rather than. Yeah, exactly, and it's yeah. the same with that. And, then, and now, obviously, we have other stuff like you know whatever TikTok and and, yeah. and things like that, where again it's it's a it provides an opportunity for for organizations but you know refactoring and and making sure that that you just don't jump in head first without mm -hmm. understanding what that audience is in there and and what's needed to to, to sort of maximize it is, is key i think you know there you need a 30 second videos of tiktok to to make it work and uh, at and clubhouse you need good content yeah and do you see any future trends we're talking about you know how some platforms are you know um becoming bigger and bigger but um do you see do you see any future trends i don't know for the next five to ten years like there will be game changers from a digital first perspective mm, i don't know um i'm sure there will be it's just that i'm not sure <laughs> i i can see them uh i mean new things will come up and and some will stick and some won't stick uh, i think uh in terms of game changes i don't know it i think that's quite a tricky one to, to see until you see it right in front of you uh the only thing i would maybe say is that you know it's important that companies are set up and equipped to to jump on and, and try these new trends whatever they may be uh uh to which will give everyone a, a chance to beat your competition in the long run. Um, but we know things that happen, it's not exactly game changes or, or new things, but you know, uh, AI powered chatbots, for example, are now being more widely used and, you know, often they're, they're actually not that clever yet. 
some are, but 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 there's still a way to go, I think, to make them sort of um, really seamless and 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 uh, work perfectly well, rather than just you know answer three questions and then send you to an actual person anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think there's this company companies that can do that sort of stuff right and in a seamless way will have an advantage. And and you know we also. We use our voice uh, more and more nowadays to look for things digitally. Uh, you know, we talk to Alexa, we ask Google, we ask our TV to to put on certain channels for us and switch our lights off by yeah. by talking to the lights and so on. So I think with a younger generation, you know, that's that's one of those things where they almost start to expect that that you can you can talk to to various products uh, and all these things are just sort of clever use of data, uh, you know, having a, a plan for how to serve up relevant marketing content to this new younger generation that's coming up and, and will start to buy more and more products um, you know, based on where they are and how they interact digitally will help companies to, to get an advantage if they can crack that. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure about game changes as such, but, but it's, it's I'm, I'm a bit of a, boring broken records but ultimately it, it does come down to data and and how it's processed how it's used uh you know which is basically the backbone of what what um, iot is uh, at the moment connecting products and, and processes and, and being smart about it um i know a lot of companies and industry experts and, and so on as well you know talk about um when we get to this full rollout of, of 5G, that's how that should help speed up processes and, and allow for more connectivity and, and thereby allow for even more innovations, I think. So, so maybe that's, that's not a game changer, but, but it might be an enabler to a game change, to game changes potentially uh, that I can sort of think of off the, off the top of my head. Thanks, Andreas. And is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience today? Um, it's it's the end of our interview, and thank you again, oh. for all of your really insightful, you know, um, um, what well, I wouldn't say comments, but you know, perspective and and sharing your experience and your journey up to up to now. So tell tell us. Maybe you know to just summarize a little bit of of uh, what we've talked about and and the sort of key key takeaways maybe uh, from my perspective anyway around these topics um, we talked about uh, customer experience and, and yeah. the importance of you know looking at that from a full user journey perspective and and, and uh, looking at everything holistically it would be mm -hmm. a couple of things that, that you heard me bang on about loads and 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 seeing all these channels as as touch points uh, that you know with a final goal in in mind um, uh, and and making sure that uh, you know the importance of of using all available data uh, but not just for the sake of it but where it makes sense and 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 just be be smart about using the data um, uh, and, and taking into all these local languages and cultures to, to sort of get, that, get that edge. Um, don't be afraid to try new things and, and see what works and, and 
keep revisiting that and and uh, see what makes sense for every because every organization is different and every mm-hmm. target audience is different and target customers and it's about figuring out what what works best and and continuously revisiting that and then trying an error trial and error um but yeah it's it's an exciting topic and it's you know it's ever changing and ever evolving uh the world of digital so you know who knows whatever i say now in nine months time i'll have to come back in and uh, <laughs> we'll say something completely different again. who knows <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much uh appreciate your time um thanks again for all of the really insightful um um views and perspective and uh and we look forward to chatting to you soon as you said maybe new trends so we might be who know i might be on to you uh, in a few months time to uh to see yeah we'll see how the world has changed exactly hopefully for the best yeah <laughs> great now thank you thanks for having me Thanks, thanks to you, Andreas. So um, that's the end of today's show with Andreas Pam, uh, digital platform and content professional. Please make sure to tune in again to see and or listen to the next Vista Talk show, where we'll be discussing more interesting topics with interesting people from all around the world. <laughs>